this morning? Late night? All right, so who was down at Def Leppard? Yeah, that's right. I, I had a feeling. Who was at Taylor Swift? Who was at Need to Breathe? Who was at home? <laughs> all right, all right. Late night. So, hey, um, my name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here. Just want to welcome you guys. Um, but I want to take care of some uh, what we call next steps. So just bear with me for a second. One of the goals that we have for you is we want to connect you with people. We want to connect you with the community. We want to connect you uh, to something larger in way of ministry or serving. So let me just tell you two or three things. Uh, we're kind of in a really busy season, which is really good, but lots of places to connect. And so if you are new and you've been here, say, you know, over the last month or two and you're saying, like, listen, I kind of like this place. I might stick around. I like what they're about, but I'd like to hear a little bit more on what it means to partner with us. We don't have members. We, we feel like country clubs have members. We have partners, and so we would like to invite you to something if that is who you are and where you're at in your journey here. We do something called Open House, and we do that every other month, and so we have one of those coming up on September 17th. And so all you have to do is fill out a welcome home card and just say, I'm interested in open house and drop it in a box or you can go by next steps. Uh, the good thing is you get dinner. So we, we give you dinner. It's an opportunity for you to meet our staff, our leadership, and for us to just tell you a little bit about what it means to partner with us, what, what the expectations are and those sorts of things. We just felt like those clearly communicated just makes for a really good relationship long term. And so we want to invite you to that. We also want to invite you to be a part of a house group. On September 9th, we're going to be starting our fall house group season, and that is really where you get to know people. We meet on Sunday evenings. Some meet on Monday or Tuesday. They're in different parts of the city, and some have kids. Some don't have kids. Some uh, do a study. Some don't do a study, but it's an opportunity for you to meet and connect with some people at a little bit uh, deeper level than what you do on Sunday mornings, and so we want you to, to be a part of one of those. They run six weeks, and so you're not signing up for 48 weeks. You're signing up for six weeks, and then you can kind of decide, do I like that group, do I not like that group, and, uh, or do you want to continue to meet? So again, just fill out that same card and check, check house groups, put that in a box, or again, go to Next Steps and see Leanne and her crew. Those are two big ways that you can connect. Now, another connection point that we have coming up is we want to have all of our Wellhouse men be involved in something, if you can. Two things, you can be involved in some trash talk and fantasy football, and so uh, I need to... You, got the fist pump back there from John. Um, he thinks he's going to win the league, so somebody needs to kind of just, just kind of shut him down. But go to Next Steps, guys. If you want to be involved in the Wellhouse Men's Fantasy Football League, I need your name and email on that list today. Okay, the draft will be on, on Tuesday, so I need you on there. Then on September 15th, we're doing a, another outing put together by Curtis Wasmer. Uh, we're going to be doing a men's kayak canoe trip down the Harpeth. And so that's a Saturday morning. We would love for you to be a part of that. That sign-up sheet is also out there. You can register online for that as well. But a couple connection points. And let's be honest, guys, we don't always do a good job connecting. And so there's a couple of easy uh, connection points for you guys. One other thing. I know this has been a lot this morning. Uh, we are excited to announce a new connection point for Wellhouse in our community. If you didn't get the newsletter, haven't been on social media this week, we have been searching for quite some time for some space, and not like Sunday morning space. We love Goodlettsville Middle School. We feel like that we are in a great spot that's going to give us plenty of, of time to grow into whatever God has for us next. But we have been looking for some visibility space, not just to house our offices, but also other connection points, uh, outreach and benevolence and, 
and some other things, open houses, and, and just giving us a seven-day week, uh, a week presence in our community. But we've been really, really picky to this point. And the reason we've been picky is, A, we wanted to, to find something that was within a budget that does not in any way impede what we're about, and that is outreach, giving away money to the community, helping those in need. And so we said whatever we find needs to work within that budget because we're not going to take away from a single ministry to make this happen. The second was visibility. We didn't want to be five streets off Main Street. We said, God, we want something cheap, and we want it on Main Street. And, and that's a tall task, but God delivered. And so this last week, I got, well, I guess two weeks ago, I got a call from a, a local businessman who said, hey, I've got some space that's really not public yet, but I would love for you to come because I heard you guys were looking. It is right by City Hall on the corner of Main Street. And we thought, wow. So we get down there, and it actually houses the Chamber of Commerce. So we are going to be sitting between the Chamber of Commerce and the city hall, and it is on the corner of Main Street, and so that is going to be a great space, and so we're in the midst of trying to get that together, so a couple ways you can be involved. A, you can pray for that space. Literally go by there, stop in the parking lot, and just pray over that space. Uh, we're going to, once we get it all together, we'll welcome everybody there, and we'll just have like a big night of prayer in that place, but it's going to be a hub of communication. It's going to be a hub of connection, and we want to pray that God does something great by us being present in this community seven days a week. Two other ways. We are to the point where we need some skilled labor. So if you're a drywaller, or if you're an electrician, or those sorts of things, we would love to have you come and be a part of that. And then the third thing that you can do is just donate. Uh, you can, we've got some renovation costs. They're going to be minimal. Uh, we've got some furnishing costs that are going to be minimal. But again, this is our space. And so if you want to be involved in any of those three ways, make that happen. And the give, like always, is always tax deductible. It's all going to go toward that, again, so that we don't have to take anything out of our budget in order to uh, do what it is that we set out to do. And that is to be wildly generous in our community. So that's exciting stuff. We're really, really excited about the, this next chapter. And we, again, it's not the destination. It's just a step in the journey. So we're really excited about that and hope you guys will jump in and be a part of that. So, all right, we are winding down a series to, uh, in the next two weeks that we have been in for the last six weeks, and I think you guys are really going to like the way this lands, and uh, it's going to be good. So we'll do this uh, this week and next week, and then we're going to get into a new series for our house groups called Jump. Okay, you guys ready? Let's pray over it and get, uh, get started. Father, this morning, we just ask that you bless our time as we look through a story for some of us might be brand new. And for some of us, it's going to be a story that we heard in VBS, and we had a little song that went with it. And so, God, we pray today, wherever we are on that spectrum, that you would make this story new. That, God, we'd see something we've never seen. We'd hear something we've never heard, and it would cause us to act in a way that we may have never acted. So, Father, we just pray that you do a mighty thing today through this text, through this story, through this interaction, through Jesus once again showing us what it looks like to interact and care about people deeply. So, Father, we just ask that you bless this time. And, Father, pray that if you just use me in whatever way you want to this morning in order to relay that message, to relay the heart of this message. And, God, this, your spirit would be among us and do what it does, and that is it would hit each of us exactly where we need to be hit this morning and grow us in just the right ways individually as well. And we pray this through your son's name. Amen. We see what we want to see, what we expect to see, instead of what's really there. Let me say that again. We see what we want to see, what we expect to see, instead of what's really there. Let me show you a couple pictures so we can interact for a second. Just tell me, shout out, say out, tell a neighbor, what do you see? What do you see? All right, we got a butterfly. 
A what? A pelvic bone. Yep. Actually, there's nothing there. So let me go. Can I warm you up? Ready? All right, tell me what you see. Titans? See, I see the AFC South champion. I don't know what you guys are seeing. Oh, ye of little faith. Okay. But I see a vastly improved coaching system. So I don't know what you see. Let me show you a couple more of some things that you might not have seen before. Anybody a fan of this chocolate, Toblerone? Any Toblerone fans? All right, guys, I saw something in this about six months ago that has blown my mind. You guys ready for this? Anybody seen this before? There's a bear in the logo. There's a bear. Let me tell you why there's a bear in the logo. And the Swiss city that this chocolate originated from, their city mascot is a bear. And so now when you go to the register and you see, I always thought it was just like the, the cool part was the little triangle design of the chocolate. It's not. There's a bear in the logo, okay? All right, let me give you a couple more. I'm really excited about the bear. All right, Tostitos. Anybody see something that, that you might not have seen before? Okay, go to the next. There's two people eating chips and salsa on the logo. I was like, again, I'd never seen that. I'd watch like the Fiesta Bowl. I'd, I'd eat plenty of of Tostitos, but I had never seen the last one. You, all right, anybody see anything there? Okay, so some of you cheated and already knew the quiz. You've taken the Facebook quiz. Mom is in her collar. And again, they wanted to set this kind of in, in, in motion because they wanted it to feel like mom's hamburgers and all those sorts of things. But the point is this, we see what we want to see, what we expect to see, instead of what's really there. And here's the second part of that. We totally miss what we're not looking for. See, I think in order to make an impact and to have influence and to create transformational, deep, meaningful relationships like Jesus, we've got to develop vision like Jesus. And so as we move kind of down this timeline of what does it look like to eat with sinners, those who are different than us, those who challenge us, those who might not always be nice to us, but people that are like us, we've realized that we know where we come from, that we're sinners, but as we begin to interact with people outside of church walls who do church things, we've got to begin to have a different kind of vision. We've got to put on a new set of eyes. And in Luke 19, Jesus gives us a chance to see the world, in particular, see people through his eyes. And look at this. In Luke 19, you're going to know the story if you've been around church for a minute. If not, it's a really fascinating story. Verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and, there, and was just passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore, a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. And all the people who saw this began to mutter and said, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and I have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save lost. I want, to, I want to go back to verse 5. I want you to key into something. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Jesus saw people everywhere he went. Jesus 
wasn't trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Jesus looked up and he saw people. People were not invisible to him. People didn't just rush by him. People, he was never too busy for people. He didn't ignore them. And he saw them doing regular, normal things as they were doing regular, normal things. We were downtown at a concert last night, and it's just fun to watch people. It's fun to see people. It's fun to, to wonder, you know, where do they come from and what do they do? And I wonder if, and, and all of these sorts of things. And Jesus, I think, constantly had the eye and the vision for people. He saw them when they were walking their dogs around the neighborhood. He saw that single mom who was dropping the kids off so that she could rush to a second job. He saw them arguing at the table in his favorite restaurant. He, he saw people selfieing. For their Instagram account at the concert, he saw them singing along with Taylor Swift all night until the very last minute. He didn't avoid people's phone calls because he knew that if he answered, they were going to need something again. He didn't step to the right side of the sidewalk when he saw them on the left side of the sidewalk. He didn't make blanket statements about people. He didn't shake his head when they used some language a little too loud in the Waffle House booth right behind him. He didn't make assumptions about people and the way they were dressed. He saw past that. He didn't avoid people because of how they might impact his ministry or what might have come from people being a witness to him being in the same circles with certain people. He didn't make fun of them because they were a little bit of a feminine male or a masculine female. He didn't know those boundaries. He saw how they loved their families, but he also saw the moments that they failed at being the perfect mom or the perfect dad. When he found out they were homeless, he never walked by and believed for a moment they're only getting what they deserve. And when he saw the sign that said, we'll work for food, he didn't think cynically, yeah, right. He didn't see a pregnant teen who finally learned her lesson. Now he saw a young lady who needed help and love through that situation that she found herself in. He didn't see their addictions as unconquerable disqualifiers that needed to be conquered before they could really be apart. He didn't look at people as if they were lost, second-class citizens. He didn't see them as sin. He saw them in sinners People created in the image of God who needed grace, salvation, and redemption. And here's the thing about Jesus. We're going to use Luke 19 today, but if you begin to look for these moments, they're laced all throughout Jesus. Let me just give you a couple in some different situations. In Luke 13, here's what he says. He comes up on this girl who had been uh, ill for quite some time. And look at what he says. He says, when he saw her, he didn't have to know her medical history. He didn't need to know, you know, what has been done. Why are you here? Why haven't you done? When he saw her, look, he called her forward and said, woman, you're set free from your infirmities. He runs between, a, a later in John, he, he runs upon a lame man, and he says, when Jesus saw him laying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he says, do you want to get well? And Jesus makes him well. In John 13, he runs across a, a, a lady who had just lost her brother to death. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come along were also weeping, look what he does. He is deeply moved. If you know that text, he says that he wept himself. 
on their behalf. Mark chapter 10, he runs across a rich man. And it says, when Jesus looked at him and loved him, and he says, one thing you lack, he says, go and sell everything to the poor and you will receive treasure in heaven, then come follow me. So here's my question as I look at Luke 19. What did Jesus see when he saw Zacchaeus? What did he see when he looked up and saw a chief tax collector? So I want to look at this text again, but I want to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. Let's back up to verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him because Jesus was coming that way. Here's what he saw first. I've only got two points today. Jesus, when he saw Zacchaeus, he saw someone who was searching. And guys, I think we live in a world of people who are searching. They're searching for something. They're searching for meaning. They're searching for value. They're searching for this void that leaves them feeling isolated and lonely. They're searching to be loved. They're searching. And Jesus sees a man in the top of this tree who is searching for something. He's searching. You know, and at first glance, we think this text is not about Jesus seeing Zacchaeus. We think the text is what? About Zacchaeus seeing Jesus. But if we begin to see what it really is, it's really about Jesus looking up and seeing who it was. We're not told why he wants to see Jesus. We can begin to speculate. I don't know if he was a believer in Jesus. I don't know if he was looking to become a believer in Jesus. I'm not sure. We're just told that he wanted to desperately see Jesus. Maybe like, like the rest of the crowd. He had just heard, if you flip back to Luke 19, Jesus had just done this amazing thing. He had healed a blind man. So maybe Zacchaeus was like, listen, like the rest of the crowd, I just want to see what he does next. I just want to see if he's going to do something in my town. Maybe Jesus had heard the rumors about how he loved and dined with, had fun with, spent time with, what? Other tax collectors. The rumor had spread, man, this guy eats with whoever. This guy, you know, goes out on the town with whoever. Tax collectors and prostitutes and people of, of really questionable moral character. And maybe, G, maybe again in Zacchaeus' searching goes, I know that that's who. So if he sees me, he won't be appalled by me. He'll welcome me. And so maybe he had heard the rumor. Maybe he didn't even like Jesus. Maybe he was trying to get a spot so he could heckle Jesus. I'm not really sure, but here's what I know. Regardless, we're not told. I know that he desperately wanted to see, for some reason, Jesus. And I think there are people, again, in our world who are desperately looking, and maybe they don't even know why they're looking or what they're looking for, but I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer to that. And I don't even know if Zacchaeus realized what was about to happen. I'm not even sure that he climbed the tree with the expectation of being transformed. I think he just said there's something about him. There's something about his crowd. There's something about his message. There's something about this grace and hope and mercy that he continues to put on people that he shouldn't, that don't deserve it. And he says something about that is appealing. Something about that is electric. And I've got to get a glimpse for myself. I don't think he climbed the tree thinking that Jesus was even the answer. I think he was exploring a possibility that might potentially change his life. And so he climbs the tree and he worked hard. 
I remember the first time I wanted to see LeBron James live. I worked hard. We saw him play in high school, and we drove hours. Now, as it pans out, you're going, it's pretty cool you got to see LeBron James in high school. I didn't know. I just knew that there was a massive amount of buzz around this 17-year-old kid. And I thought to myself, there's no 17-year-old kid can be as good as what they're making this kid to be out So we drove six hours. We went to Akron, Ohio. We got there early because all the seats were general admission. And I wanted to make sure I was center court. I wanted to be as close to this phenomenal. And for me, it was a little bit personal. They're saying he's the next Jordan. And I'm going, there is no next Jordan. Get out of here, right? So I remember making that drive. We got there way earlier than we should have. And we sat center court two hours before they ever came out and rolled a ball out. And I walked away from that going, I'm sure glad I came to see this. Now, fast forward. I don't know if you're a LeBron fan or not. It doesn't matter. The dude is phenomenal. And I think just like that for me, Zacchaeus said, there's something I've got to see here. And I respect Zacchaeus. I respect that he wasn't going to let anything keep him from seeing Jesus. He wasn't going to let his shortness or the large crowd from seeing. So here's what he does. He goes ahead and he climbs this tree, and it's genius. See, a sycamore tree would grow to be 30, 40 feet, but all the branches were low. So as a short guy, he could hop that first one and make his way up into these branches. It was a great decision. And Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, and Jesus sees someone who was searching. So the question is, what about us? This is twofold. What are we searching for? What are we climbing trees to see? And then second, are we aware of people in our circles, in our scope of influence, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods? Are we aware of the people who are in the trees? Do we, as people who have climbed the tree, maybe you're a mature faith person, maybe I've got to put good grasp on this. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. At some point, you climbed a tree to get a good look at Jesus. So my question now is that as we walk along, do we look up and begin to see others who are in the tree? And how do we begin to help that happen again? We go all throughout the text. We go throughout the Bible. You see all kinds of people who went way out of their way to see Jesus. From the very beginning, you see this, right? You look in Luke chapter 2, Jesus' birth. The shepherds left their sheep. They left their entire livelihood, their entire investment, their retirement plan. They left it to go and what? Look for Jesus. We got to go. I think of the wise men. It says that they traveled from a far distance just to get a glimpse at Jesus. I think about Mark chapter 1 early in Jesus' ministry. We're told that everyone was looking for Jesus, including his disciples. Romans chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 8, you see this Roman centurion. He is desperately looking for Jesus because he's got a servant that he loves dearly that he wants to see healed. And so he is on the prowl. Hey, have you seen Jesus? i got to find Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? And this guy goes out of his way to see Jesus. I think of Mary Magdalene. I think of Mary, the the mother of, of James, when they went to the tomb at the end. What were they looking for? They were looking for Jesus. I think of his own disciples in Mark chapter 4 when that storm of life came roaring. Who was the first person they started looking for? This is getting bad. Life is about to take a tumble. Anybody seen Jesus? Zacchaeus was just looking for opportunities to see Jesus better. 
And so in our personal lives, I want us to begin to look for opportunities to see Jesus. What trees can we climb? What's, what, what places do we need to go? Maybe it's a far off distance. Maybe it's something I've got to leave behind in order to really pursue Jesus. But on my way, I'm going to start looking up into trees. I'm going to climb a tree and I'm going to be a tree. I'm going to help people get that view of what Jesus is all about. I'm going to help people get that view. It's like we talked about in week three. I'm going to not be an obstacle. I'm going to be a tree so that other people can begin to see. And I believe that there are people in our world. What else did he see? Look at verse five. Not only does he see a desperate guy who wants to see him desperately, someone who is searching desperately. Look at this. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay in your house tonight. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. All the people began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to him, look, Lord, here now. Here's what he sees. He sees a guy who's worth his time. He says he gets to that spot, and he looks up. It was, even though he was heading somewhere, he had somewhere to be, it says he was just passing through. He never intended on staying here. He was just walking through, but there was something that he saw, and he saw a searching man who he said, I've got to stop. Anybody ever catch that? He's passing through, but he ends up at the guy's house for the night. He changes his entire plans. He goes off script. He, he says, listen, go ahead and send word. What we're, what we're going to take care of tomorrow has got to wait. There's someone here and now worth my time, worth my investment, worth saving. And because of that, I love this. It says that Jesus went to his spot. He went to his spot. He met Zacchaeus where he was. He met him at, at the spot. And I think this is interesting and not at all coincidental. Jesus didn't expect Zacchaeus to come meet him at his spot. Not only does he say, hey, Zacchaeus, we got some things to talk about. If you could meet me at the offices, or if you could meet me at the temple Sunday, I'd like to talk to you. He says, no, I'm meeting you at your spot to go to your spot. I want to meet you where you are currently. And I don't even really need to know about everything that is about every, I just want to say, listen, I want to meet you on your terms and in your places. Part of that's because Jesus didn't have a spot. His spot were where people were. But finding and entering these spots are so important. And here's why. Whether it's Jesus doing this with Zacchaeus or whether it's us doing this, when we seek out, when we find, when we begin to interact in their spots, in those spots. Now catch this. It's in these spots, in these places, where grace and sin connect and hope is born. You catch that? Here's what happens in this. When Jesus goes to his spot, when Jesus in, invites himself even to his real personal spot, grace and sin collide and hope is born. And so I've got to challenge myself to find these spots. I've got to get out there and find these places. See, I think for a long time we've had it wrong. And this is why I tell you guys when it comes to like house groups and things like this, guys, I'd much rather you invite. And I know this is backwards. This is not what I should tell you. I'd rather you invite people to other spots than Sunday morning 
if it means getting them connected and you beginning to interact. Listen, I want to fill this place and fill three of these places on Sunday morning, but I'd rather you spend time serving along some, some, beside someone outside of this spot. If it gets them somehow connected, if it shows genuine care, genuine love, genuine grace, if you can begin to interact with other people in their spots or invite them into some personal spots of yours versus this place, that's what I want. And I think sometimes we've had it all wrong. I think there's been so many church programs that have depended on this, getting you to come into this spot. And while there's great value on getting people in this spot, I think there's greater value in us getting into those spots. I think there's greater value in us getting uh, into the world in a different way, seeing people through different things. And again, I'm not saying that this isn't important. I'm just telling you that maybe it's not the starting place for some people in your life and some people that you're going to interact with. Jesus didn't expect Zacchaeus to find him. He went where he knew he would be looking, and when he got there, he looked up. I love that Jesus didn't expect Zacchaeus to do all sorts of work. He didn't expect him to do all the work. And here's why he knew that Zacchaeus was not capable of that. So he met him where he was. I remember an old preacher said that fish don't jump in the boat. Disciples don't make themselves. Sheep, coins, and sons don't find themselves. We have to go find them we got to go find them in their spots. And Jesus went to the spot where he knew Zacchaeus was going to be looking. And when he arrived, he found what he was looking for. So this week, here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you to go find your friend's spots. And by the way, have a good time while you're there. I want you to go find your friend's spots. I don't know if that's a local bar. I don't know if that's a ball game. I don't know if that's a concert. I don't know if that's a park. I don't know, I don't know where it is that you will travel. I, I, I don't know what that looks like for you and your personal life, but I just want to challenge you this week to go and enter into a spot, a spot where you can interact like normal human beings. I don't expect you to go down to beyond the edge and say, I'd like a, a cold brew and I want to do a Bible study if that's okay. Can we do that? I want you to just go into those spots and say, hey, I, it's been a while since we've caught up. Or what do you think of the Titans preseason game? Or just begin to interact in these spots. Now, <laughs> while you're there, you're going to have to ignore some negative noise. Again, you know, one of the things I love about Wellhouse is we try not to do anything that seemingly is regular. I just told you to go to a bar, for goodness sake. Um, There's going to be people who look and say some things negative. Look at verse 7. It said when they saw what he was doing, I love this. It says they, he what? Muttered. It's such a fun word, isn't it? Let's say that together. They muttered. See, muttering is an opposite of joy. It flows out of a bitter heart. It's the native language of a sad soul. And I hope that our, as a collective body of believers here, I hope that my faithfulness to the call of Jesus makes all the legalists in my life mutter. I'm going to be honest, I live to make church folk mutter. Because I know when people are muttering, I'm doing something that looks like Jesus. And my goal, again, is to see what is there. 
See, we see what we want to see, what we expect to see. We've got to learn to look up. And here's what hangs in the balance, and I'm done. As we kind of land, I want us to feel the weight of this for just a second. The crowd only saw, Jesus, only saw Zacchaeus as a sinner. But that's not who Jesus saw. Jesus sees the lost, lonely, isolated man who was searching, who was looking to be found, who was looking for something. And, and here's what hangs in the balance. And I don't know how this is going to play out for you, for your friends or for your neighbors or for your coworkers or for people that you'll meet in those spots. I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know how it played out in his life. What hung in the balance was that being seen changed his life. And it was immediate. Verse 8, look at this. It says that Zacchaeus stood up. There's change number one. I don't know what this means. I don't know if Zacchaeus had taken a seat on the ground. I don't know if he, 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 he was kneeling. I, I don't know what he was doing. And I don't know why Luke chose to put this in here. But all he tells us was that there was already a physical, there was, a, there was an immediate transformation. Maybe this was some kind of symbolism that a, a man of short stature suddenly grew, morally speaking. All I know is that change was happening there because look what happens next in verse 8. He said he stood up and he says, look, Lord. I love that, that suddenly his language changed, his recognition changed, which shows that he no longer was looking to get a glimpse at a celebrity that he had somehow transitioned in his heart and in his mind, what? Surrender. He was calling him Lord. He was calling him Master. All of a sudden, a man who was looking for a celebrity had seen the face of his Lord. And then finally, look at this. He transformed from being a consumer. All he wanted was something. He wanted to get something from the moment, and he leaves the moment giving something. He moves from being a consumer to a contributor. And here's what's interesting about this. By law, if you go back and trace this back to Leviticus, to the law, you know what he was required to do? If he had taken an X amount of money and cheated someone out of that, he was required to put one-fifth of that total on it and give it back. Guys, he doesn't give one-fifth back. He quadruples that which he had taken wrongfully. Complete transformation. And i got to be honest, I don't think he climbed the tree with that in mind. But that's what happens when people see Jesus for who Jesus is. And when we begin to interact with people as Jesus interacted. And when we begin to see and have the vision of Jesus. And then I think perhaps the most powerful moment, the most powerful life-altering statement was made by Jesus as he kind of wraps this up. Look at verse 9. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. By using the word salvation, here's what Jesus is communicating to everybody watching. Jesus shows us that when he sees Zacchaeus, he doesn't see a man who has failed and is pinned by his failure. He sees a man who is saved. 
And then, and I never caught this until recently, it gets even better. He calls him a son of Abraham. Dr. R.C. Foster says this, that tax collectors were regarded as having forfeited their birthright as sons of Abraham. And Jesus shows us when he says, you too are a son of Abraham. He says, you have the right to your birthright. You have, you have the right to be called what it is that you are, not because of what you've done, but because of who you put your faith in. Yeah, you might have shortchanged your people, but on this day, you are to be honored as a son of Abraham. You are to be honored among your people. And Jesus restores his rightful birthmark. Here's the point. Being seen for who you can be is a powerful and transformational force. And I want to I encourage you, if you're feeling this weight of guilt and shame, like, let's just talk personally. I want you to look in the mirror and see who it is you can be. But I also want you to begin to see people in your life and that you interact with, what can they be? And when we enter into that relationship, when we enter into conversation and into those spaces with that in mind, we spend way less time worrying about what currently is because we know that, you know what, God can change and he can move and he can direct anybody. All I'm doing is being the conduit by which they can see Jesus. Us seeing people for who they can be can be a powerful transformational force. And so what do you see when you see people? The better question is, is do we even see them? Stand with me. I'll make one more statement and I'm done. Here's what I want you to think about this week. If you haven't heard anything else, if you checked out, just tune in for three seconds. We are limited not by our abilities, but by our vision. Let me say that again. We are limited not by our abilities, but by our vision. And I believe that works not only in our personal life, but it works in our collective community of relationships. You may say, well, I don't know enough about Jesus to walk somebody through. And I don't, I, I, you know, it's, it's just been too long since I, I mean, what if they ask hard questions? I'm not worried about your ability. And neither is Jesus. Jesus is concerned with your vision. He says, don't be limited by what you don't know and can you answer all the questions. No, 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 step into the life and begin to see things differently. Father, this morning, let's ask that you give us your eyes. Father, give me your eyes so that I can see everything and everyone that I have missed. Just like the bear in the Toblerone chocolate logo. God, I've missed so many things and people and opportunities because I see what I want to see, what I expect to see, and my reality then becomes those things. I miss what's right in front of me. God, I ask that you give me your eyes, and that in doing so, you give me a renewed love for humanity. But God, I don't begin to base someone's worth or my time or my interaction by what they have on or what they look like or what I perceive they might be, but God, I just walk in and with complete availability. Lord, I pray that you give me vision for broken things, broken relationships, broken homes, broken people. 
God, will you give me a heart for the forgotten? Father, will you give me your eyes so that I can look up and see? Father, thank you for showing us the example set by your son of what it means to see people. May we too follow in the footsteps, begin to see ourselves as who it is that you say we are, and then begin to help people step into that same recognition and that same transformation. We pray this through your son's name.